50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. I am. Julie, that suitcase scene took me out. Emotional to say the least. This whole episode, I mean, obviously we watched Kim on SNL numerous times at this point, but to really watch the process of the behind the scenes, I felt like I was seeing it for the first time. You know, it was funny. I felt that way when I was watching her do her monologue. And I've watched that clip not only when we were watching actual SNL, but multiple times since then. And even just watching her do it when it's being filmed for the actual show was like an entirely different experience. You really felt the energy in the room, specifically when the camera would pan to Chris and Chris is watching Kim give the line of, I didn't even know how to become one. So I asked my mom's boyfriend, Corey, and you get to see Chris's live reaction. I mean, this is the content we were looking for. I'm so sad that Kim SNL is over. Like, it's just like, I feel like three episodes, it's really been building to this point. And I'm so sad to see it over. But what that means is that we now move into Kim and Pete. And I just, oh my God, am I excited. Especially, you know, obviously every week as we've been discussing, whatever's been happening on the show, we then look at what's going on on Instagram or in their real lives. And it just so happens that this week's episode times up perfectly with her posting the Photoshop clapback in the form of a live photo of her and him kissing in the John and Vinny's booth. Is anyone a lip reader? Because I need to know what she says to him right before they kiss. I know. I could not figure it out. It wasn't I love you, though, I don't think. I know. A lot of people said, is is she saying I love you? And I didn't think that's what it was. And it's so hard to tell, but I'm just dying to know, even if it's nothing. It's just I need every piece of information I can get. Kim was going rogue this week, Instagram-wise, you know? She, okay. I, can we talk about this for five seconds before we start the episode? Yeah, of course. When she was posting those stories, I was like, Yes, this is the content we need. Like, give us more of that. Give us more of your personality. And there was a point where she was talking about, not even the Pete one, the Disneyland one. And she was talking about how she wanted the picture to match her aesthetic. And just because Kylie said she couldn't post Stormy, she wasn't going to let that mess it up. So she Photoshopped true. And that was the reasoning. And I was like, the lack of shame in explaining something so ridiculous to the point where the explanation is more ridiculous than the thing that even happened in the first place. Like, that's all I want from Kim. Well, that's the whole thing about this, and we don't really have to get into it now, but it is objectively absurd. I mean, truly objectively absurd, but you can't even come down hard on her for it because she fully acknowledges the absurdity of it. You know how we always go back and forth with this idea of like, do we want our celebrities to be relatable? And like, when I see Kim being this level of unrelatable, I'm like, this is kind of what I want my celebrities to be. Like, we don't live the same lives at all. And when you say something as ridiculous as photoshopping a picture of your niece so that it matches your aesthetic with absolutely zero shame, like, yeah, that's the energy I crave from somebody whose life is as unrelatable as Kim's is to me. Right, exactly. And it's the lack of pretending. That's the only time it's an issue is when there is such a level of unrelatability, but there is such a desire to create some semblance of that, whereas she has abandoned that. And you know what? I ride with the abandonment. Same. And the reason it works also is because as she's explaining these stories that are so ridiculous, she's doing it in a way where she does make you feel like you're talking to your friend. She's like, guys, I had no idea you were so interested in the behind the scenes of my Photoshop. Or when she's like, you guys know how I feel about an aesthetic. And we're like, you know what? We do know how you feel about an aesthetic. Yeah. Like, thank you for knowing us the way that we know you. So fucking crazy. The whole thing is so crazy, but you know what? I don't care. It is my favorite form of escapism and I will own that forever. Forever. 
Okay, so getting into this episode, and like I said, the last two weeks, we're still figuring out exactly the best format for these recaps because it's a little bit different. But basically, we split it up into Kim, SNL, sex tape, everything with that, and then Courtney and Travis's engagement. But this one is a little bit more scene by scene because that was the natural flow of the episodes, but we will see how it goes. I mean, I just loved every second of this, really. Every single second. I mean, how could you not? Also, before we start, I just want to acknowledge, and I said this on the Bravo episode, but I recognize not everyone that listens to this listens to Bravo and vice versa. We obviously recognize that there wasn't a Monday episode, and we do normally like to give a heads up when that's going to happen, but we really just didn't know it was the case until Tuesday morning when we were trying again, and it, it just wasn't happening. There was just some shit going on in our lives this week. Everything is totally fine. I, I know we got a lot of DMs of people being concerned. Don't be concerned. Everything is Okay. There was just some personal stuff we were dealing with. And I think sometimes you just got to know when you can't make it happen. And this was just one of those weeks where we really tried, but we could not make it happen. So we will be back next week. And this is actually a good scheduling note. Next week's episode, we think the logical thing to do is release it on Tuesday so that we can include everything from the Met Gala on Monday night. I feel like you guys are going to agree with that because to wait a whole week just feels ridiculous. Don't you think, Julie? Yeah, no, we're... A hundred percent doing it that way, especially because I feel like the show specifically is waiting for that Kim and Pete Met Gala red carpet walk. And if we can't talk about that immediately, if it does happen, I don't think we'd ever be able to forgive ourselves. It's going to happen though. I, I, I'm sorry. I feel it in the deepest level of my soul and maybe I'm wrong. I genuinely think that that is going to happen. I feel like I have a little bit of PTSD from Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz because I knew they were both going to be there last year. And I was so excited for them to make that debut. And they walked it separately, but then left together. And I was like, this is something I can't handle if Kim and Peter are doing it. Like, we know they're both going to be there. But if they don't walk together, but we only get like slight pictures of them like off to the side or inside or leaving together, like I'll be heartbroken. I'll still be happy that we have that footage, but I'll be heartbroken for them to not walk it together. I mean, I guess it's a possibility that they show up together similarly to how they did at the premiere. They're photographed getting out of the car. There's photographs of them after the fact, but for the actual red carpet, they don't do it together. I understand what you're saying. That is a possibility, but I just feel like what an iconic way in Kim's mind, to introduce the relationship to the world in a more official way. I really, really hope so. I think so too. Like, I, I really think so too. But I'm, I'm not getting my hopes all the way up just to be disappointed. I'm managing expectations. Oh, no, my hopes are up. I, I have a lot of faith that I'll be able to manage my disappointment because my hopes are through the fucking roof. Right. I'm managing my expectations and know that I still won't be able to manage my disappointment. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we are about a day out from SNL, and I love when Chloe and Chris are arriving in New York, when Chloe's giving us this play-by-play, and she's saying, you know, we have Courtney and Travis's engagement a week away, we're getting to SNL, and she's kind of just acknowledging the chaos of it all. It makes me feel less crazy, because when I watch the show, I'm like, holy shit, you guys have so much going on in your lives, and I often feel like for them, it's just the norm. So this moment where Chloe kind of acknowledges that, it makes me feel less crazy. You know, it is the norm for them in so many ways, but you also have these moments in their lives where it's almost like the perfect storm where there's so much going on and such like a higher level of things going on. For example, this, like to have Courtney and Travis happening at the exact same time as SNL, like that's one of those rare occasions where, yeah, we're always busy. We always have so much going on, but this is special. And these are two insanely special things happening at once. Something that I was thinking about so much when watching this episode, and I feel like you are so going to get what I mean, is that a concept we discuss constantly with them is that naturally they're just a little bit jaded, both to the materialistic and extravagant things, and then also to these experiences, because at this point they've had so many. And I think what I was picking up on so much this episode is that Kim or any family member hosting SNL and then also Courtney getting married are two things that have never happened. They have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, they've had other marriages, but Courtney, it's specific. This is her first engagement ever. Kim hosting SNL, no matter who they are, it's fucking iconic. And so for them to be walking into two circumstances that they have nothing to compare it to, that's so rare for us to see. Yes, that is such a good point. Like, I feel like the one thing that they actually don't get jaded to is 
the crazy things that happen in their own lives. Like when they give interviews and somebody will ask them a question, like who's the next one to have a baby or who's the next one to get married? And their answer is like, you literally never know in our family. Like, you know, you'll expect it to be one person and then somebody else will just throw you for a loop. And so I feel like the way they operate is just constantly in the state of like, you never know what's going to happen next. And that's the one thing that they haven't become jaded to. And so I feel like these two events happening at once was like, almost the culmination of that. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Kim could be the person to host SNL or Courtney could be getting engaged. And for those two things to be happening at the exact same time. And also on top of those two things happening at the exact same time, both of those events really involved the whole family. Like that's thing that they always do. Kim made sure that SNL was a family experience. Travis made sure that when he was proposing to Courtney, that the entire family was involved. So it's not just each person's unique individual experience. It always involves all of them. Oh, for sure. And I think specifically when it's happening to Kim, there's naturally going to be more of that familial involvement than, for example, Kylie or Kendall. And I'm not saying that's factually accurate, but from the viewer perspective, it's always going to be more of a family affair when it's happening to someone like him who prioritizes that in such a way. Right. And although not to jump ahead, but the scene where they're in the car and they're on the way to Courtney and Travis's engagement, Kylie is the one that says, I really like that Travis makes us a part of it and wants us to be a part of it. I cannot wait to get into that scene. Holy shit. You know, what's really fun about this episode in terms of us doing it. It's like, Typically, we put the thing that we are the most excited about first, and naturally, Kim SNL is the bigger event here, and I'm very excited, but it's not like we have a bad backup because I cannot wait to get into that engagement. No. Oh my God. It's amazing. What I like is just the organization of this episode. Like we get to talk about SNL. We get that all over with. There's no jumping back and forth between scenes, and then we just get to go smooth right into that engagement. Okay, so the night before SNL, they're at Milo's with their ride-or-die crew. As Chris said, these are the people that have been there with them since the beginning. So you know as the viewer, this only benefits you because no conversation is off-limits. But obviously, the moment we have to talk about is when Scott's telling Chloe that there was a moment he was considering doing one of the skits, but he called Courtney. And he says, and I quote, I talked to Courtney about it and she wasn't feeling it. Basically, it would be like I say to her, do you know the reason I date younger girls is because I'm trying to add them all up so they're your age. If me and Courtney were married, sure, I'd make fun of her on TV, but not like separated. It's just not in good taste. That was my gut. And I called her, I talked to her about it. And then I came to the conclusion, which, oh my God, imagine if that would have happened. Did you also find the specific usage of the word separated to be interesting or you thought it was just a word that he threw out? No, I think that it was intentional. It's subconscious, but intentional. Subconscious, but intentional. Yes. The other thing about this moment that I picked up on, and as I say it, I don't even know if I fully agree with my thought because it's significantly more petty than the way I normally think. But last week when we saw Courtney call up Kim and say to her, listen, I'd love to do a skit with you, but Scott's already coming. I don't want you to disinvite him. And I just think it's better if we're both not there. Having that knowledge, it made this whole thing make even more sense because there is no world in which Scott's going to be able to do a skit, but Courtney can't do it because she isn't there because she's protecting Scott. Like this was just so the right call for so many different reasons. No, I totally agree. I don't know if him doing a skit necessarily would have been an issue where it's like, oh, but Courtney didn't get to do one. I don't know if it would have been tit for tat like that. I just think that With Courtney not being there, with everybody kind of aware that something was a little bit off with them, Scott taking a hit at Courtney's age and also making fun of himself, like just wouldn't have been in the best taste at the moment. Yeah, it was totally the right call. But again, this is why I fucking love the show because we would have never gotten that. We would have never gotten that piece of insight and to even know that that was a possibility or that Scott had to then call Courtney to run it by her. We would have never known that if it wasn't for this dinner at Milos that was filmed. Absolutely. It is more satisfying to hear the joke framed as what would have been than hearing it actually said in the moment. I feel the exact same way about Kim's not saying that Chloe joke about her having enough room in her heart for all of Tristan's side chicks. Like it was so much more satisfying to me to find out the joke that was not said and then hear it than for it to have been said in the first place. Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready for the suitcase scene? Of course I'm ready for the suitcase scene. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. 
And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so since the preview from last week's episode, this was the moment we've been waiting for. So we see Shelly call Chris saying Kim is requesting her in the room. By the way, need to acknowledge the moment where Chris says, do we bring cameras? Loved that. Absolutely obsessed with that moment and the fourth wall being broken there. And on top of that, Kim being like, yes, definitely bring them. Right, like there's no world in which Kim is not going to bring cameras. We have Connie there for one fucking scene to bring the most important suitcase ever and she doesn't want it filmed. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean, listen, that's why Kim is Kim. That's why the show is so successful because Kim says to bring the fucking cameras. Exactly. Okay, so in the room, we have the core crew. It's Steph, Tracy, Shelly, Allison, Chris, Chloe, and of course, Kanye. I think everyone knows this, but we do sometimes get confused DM. So for anyone who doesn't know, Allison Statter is Kim's best friend and her mom, Shelly Azoff, is Chris's best friend. So Kim says, so Kanye flew home last night and he came back this morning and I want to show you guys what he got me. And she takes out this black Gucci suitcase and she says, he got me all the sex tape back and he flew home and he got the computer. It was on the hard drive and he met up with Ray J at the airport and he got it all back for me. And you just see, she is so emotional. They're all so emotional. Kanye is there. You know, when you're watching it, that this is hours before she's about to go on for SNL. I mean, the whole thing was just a wild experience to witness. It really was. And again, that kind of goes back to the point that we were saying before about like the culmination of all of these big things happening in their lives at once. Like, it wasn't just that Kim got the assurance that there was no new sex tape. It was like, this, from my understanding of what happened, this hard drive and this computer also had the original. And it was like, this is finally 20 years later being put to rest. Like she can finally have peace of this situation that has had a hold on her life for 20 years, right before one of the biggest nights of her whole life. There was also something powerful about seeing the actual computer and the actual hard drive in the flesh. Like it almost was a tangible representation of just putting this chapter of her life to bed. Like I I was envisioning if I was her, would I just take a fucking sledgehammer to that thing? You know what I mean? When I saw that old Mac white computer with the removable hard drive, I was like, oh my God, like this was the stone age. Right. But that's exactly what I'm saying. It was almost like we needed that visual to fully understand the scope of what was happening. And the people in the room made it special too. Like she's right. That's the fucking core. Like for Shelly Azoff and Allison Satter to be there in that moment, it just felt like okay, the real ones know. Like, we know who this crew is. We know how important this moment is. We know how important SNL is. Like, there was so much going on at once. And then also on top of that, you kind of kept having these moments between Chris and Kanye that reminded you of the relationship that they once had and that level of mutual respect between the two of them that also was kind of a side plot going on, but also like, that was really important to the episode. Like, Kanye's role in this cannot be denied. No, it is absolutely essential that we talk about the conversation between Chris and Kanye because I know in the scheme of things, these interactions were relatively minimal. But to me, first of all, even in the height of Kanye talking negatively about the family, he always maintained the fact that he had a lot of respect for Chris, that she was very intelligent and she really knew what she was doing. And when I was watching them converse here, something I was picking up on, which I'd love to hear what you think about this is that it feels like Chris really knows how to connect with Kanye. And she took the time to take him to the side and, 
you know, praise him for what he did, which he deserved praise for. But I think she is so aware of how far that goes with him, like really making him feel seen and appreciated for something that he just did for her daughter. And I feel like Chris, it's not that she was faking it. She was very appreciative, but she was so aware of knowing what that would do for their relationship. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're right in the sense of Kanye has always maintained this level of respect for Chris, except for the one time that he did call her Chris Jong-un, which to me is, I mean, objectively one of the funniest moments in Twitter history, but that's besides the fact. But You know, it was very almost reminiscent of them having this side conversation of after Kanye had gone on that rant about Chicago's birthday party. The first picture we saw of Kanye at Chicago's birthday party was in the background of an Insta story, I believe, and Kanye was there talking to Chris. And that was like the person who he was conversing with at the party after all of this had gone down. And we kind of had this moment of like, okay, that makes sense. Like, it makes sense that Chris would be able to still talk to Kanye despite everything that's going on. And so what you saw here obviously was a very good moment between Kim and Kanye, and it was a very appreciative moment of the whole family to Kanye, but they still had this little off moment where Kanye and Chris were able to really connect. And I think that there is a real level of mutual respect for each other and in the way that they operate and in the business people that they both are at the core of it. Like it was kind of like how last episode we were talking about how one of the things that really connects Kim and Kanye and why they always show up to each other is this level of mutual respect for the projects they're working on. And I feel like with Chris and Kanye, it's this real level of mutual respect for the business people that they are. And so I feel like you were really seeing that here. Like there was always, no matter what's going on, this level of connection between the two of them. Yes. And I'm so glad you said the thing about Chicago's birthday party, because when I watched this scene, I swear to you, I was thinking that I know all we got from that was just the photos of them talking. We don't know what actually happened. But just watching this one interaction, I almost felt like I could connect the dots of what that conversation was. You know, like that was in the heat of it. Shit was really intense at that moment. And I feel like Chris just kind of had the ability I would imagine at this birthday party to almost dial it down and to just connect to him on like a a simpler basis. I I don't know. It was loaded. If you're like us, you rewatch that interaction multiple times because yes, the suitcase was the main event. Don't get me wrong, but this was a very legitimate subplot that was right there. No, absolutely. Let me ask you another question. Kanye Mm -hmm. flying coach. What's that about? He couldn't get a private jet. He chose not to. He felt like the experience would be made better, like the story would be better if he was flying coach every time he flew. Like, what's going on here? I'm so glad that you asked that because, listen, I don't know. In my mind, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, they want to get on a private jet. They make it happen. But I don't actually know the lead time there. I'll say this. I would not put it past Kanye to do the whole coach thing just because it really adds emphasis to the story. I think I would be less confused about Kanye flying coach if it was just to pick up the laptop and come back. But if you remember last episode when Kim was talking to Tracy about how great Kanye has been throughout the whole SNL journey, and she says to Tracy, you know, he got on the first flight, he flew coach to New York, he was sitting next to the bathroom. Like, I I guess like I'm confused by Kanye ex-coach. Like I totally understand the concept of him flying to get the laptop, right? Like maybe he just couldn't get a flight. It was the only time he could meet Ray J. Like that can make sense to me. But like to take two coach flights seems a little improbable. It seems like there's something else going on here. It feels like, uh, to quote Serena Kerrigan, he's doing it for the plot, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Like, it felt like (laughs) just for the story. Like, yeah, it was such a better story that Kanye flew coach sitting in, (laughs) like, not even economy plus next to the bathroom to come to be with Kim to support her in New York early, one week before SNL, and then flew coach again to pick up the laptop and then flew coach again to come back to be at New York before SNL started. Right, but um, it almost feels like he was doing that with his next song in mind. It almost was like, you know what? Coach is just going to be better for the lyrics. And and honestly, that's a level of artistry that I can respect. I don't even know if it was for the lyrics. I feel like he did it so that when he tried to get back with Kim, he could be like, I flew coach for you. Right. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a bargaining chip. You know what? And in their world, that speaks volumes. This whole thing is like, talk about, to go back to our earlier point, talk about the absurdity of it all. This has Kim photoshopping stormy energy. You know what? I had a moment of like, 
the absurdity of it all, or not even the absurdity of it all, just like how crazy their world is. Like I was watching Shelly, Azoff, and Allison Satter sitting there, and I was like, do you know how connected you guys are that like we don't even talk about the fact that your brother is Harry Styles' manager? Well, yeah, just in general, that's what happens with this family. The people they surround themselves with are so powerful that after watching for so many years, it gets lost on you. Especially when it's childhood friends. Like, we don't think about the fact that Shelly Azoff is Irving Azoff's wife. We think about the fact that she's Kris Jenner's best friend. And that is just like, sometimes when we view the family through our lens, it makes me laugh. That's the only lens that I want to view it from. Because, by the way, being Kris Jenner's best friend is, to me, a far more prestigious title than anyone's fucking wife. (laughs) I would agree with you there. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so the scene with Chloe and Chris, I don't even really want to get into because I would say this was the most similar to what we would consider a filler scene on the E! Show, don't you think? Yeah, I still loved it and it still had like a very cute moment between Chris and Chloe until they like left and went outside. Like it was just something about their dynamic that felt so familiar. But yeah, it was 100% like as close to filler as you're going to get on this, I think. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to say because the actual content here isn't necessary to discuss. but. Chloe's right when she says that she's the only one Chris does this stuff with. And when you look at it through that lens, it just makes a lot more sense why Chloe's the one that Chris is building the house next to and removing the property line. You know, there's just something about their relationship and the way that it kind of has transformed over the years that I do think is unique to them. And you can make that argument for any of Chris's kids. Obviously, she has a specific dynamic with each of them, but there's something about Chloe that just feels different. When you said that, like, Chloe saying that thing about, like, she only does this with me, and we were all like, yeah, like, she does. Like, we all kind of recognize that. The reason that I knew that I understood their relationship in a way that was a little bit weird is that this is so embarrassing, but I saw a TikTok once, and it was like, are you the daughter that they clean for when you come home, or are you the daughter that they wait for to do the cleaning? And I literally was like, oh, my God, that is so Chloe. 
I love when we out ourselves by acknowledging we saw a tweet or a meme, and instead of thinking about like our own lives, we immediately related to the Kardashians. <laughs> like that's something that Chloe would have sent in their group chat and been like, "This is me." Yes. Oh my god. Fuck. <laughs> It's like, call us fucking some 41 because we are in too deep. If we had a theme song for this podcast, it would be in too deep by some 41. Call us some 41. <laughs> no. No. If You're we cracking made, me up. If we like were the type that made merch based on things from the podcast, that, that would be merch. <laughs> Don't you think? Yes. A hundred million percent. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to add there? I didn't really have anything profound to say. I just want to acknowledge that I understand what Chloe means when she says it's only her. Yeah, totally. The only other thing that I'll say is that I loved when Chris and Corey are walking and Chris is like, (laughs) Chris is like, you know, it's easy to get lost in a big city, but I always have my North Star and that's Bergdorf Goodman. And I'm like, yes, Chris, that is your North Star. Yeah. And also for Chris, how incredible of a feeling that that used to be something that was so aspirational to her when she was a flight attendant, you know, living with four other girls. And now not only is it her North Star geographically, it's her North Star because she could fucking own the place. Right. And I will say that I think one of my favorite parts of this episode was both the acknowledgement of like when she was living in this apartment, Bergdorf was her North Star, but like she couldn't afford anything there. Like it was just this place of reference for her. Now she could have any single item in that store she wanted. But also on that same vein, when she's talking about living in New York as a flight attendant and she says, I finished flight attendant school and I got placed in New York. And Robert and OJ met me at the airport because they had just gotten off a flight from Montreal where they watched Caitlyn Jenner win the gold medal. I felt so connected to the producer in that moment when you hear her be like, guys, that is making the cut. Because I swear to God, I was like, holy shit. Not that it was anything that we didn't necessarily know. You know, of course we knew that OJ was doing sports commentary and we knew that she was married to Robert. We like we knew all of it, but God, when she lays it out like that, you really just have a moment of being like, your life is a movie. Yeah. And like it was a movie before it became a movie. That's what's so crazy. And I think that's why I connected to like the Shelly Azoff thing as well, where I'm like, there's so many layers to this family and so many connections that started prior to even how we knew them. Like, it's exactly how I feel about the OJ trial like and Robert Kardashian, that being the start of the family. Like, you know, they're not just the family that started because Kim had a sex tape and they went viral for that. And then they started a reality show. Like there are years and years and years of layering before that even came into the picture. I know. And when she says things like that, it just really brings you back. Totally. Wait, also, sorry, just to jump back for one second. After the suitcase scene, when we see Kim get into the car to leave for SNL and she's in that pink outfit, it's crazy watching it now, knowing what just took place in that hotel room a minute before she left. Because it makes you think, you know, how many paparazzi shots that are so famous had these crazy backstories that we as the public would never know about? I remember so vividly seeing those pictures of Kim and Kanye leaving the hotel together and getting in the car. And we had all of these questions about, like, are they staying together? Um, was Kanye with her? Was he meeting her at the hotel? There were sources that said that he came in the back entrance and they left together. Like we had so many questions about Kanye being there with Kim. We didn't even, I think, know that he was in New York at that point, And that was our confirmation. So I remember so many rumors swirling about them maybe getting back together and what this means for their relationship. And so to not only get the behind the scenes of them walking into that car together, knowing that he wasn't staying at the hotel and they had set up boundaries before and he was there helping with SNL, but also knowing the moment right before they got in that car was the sex tape and was bringing her that laptop and explaining it to everybody oh my God, that is one of the most insane behind the scenes that you'll ever get. I know, and you don't get that because as I always fucking say, people this famous don't have reality shows. That's what it is. Like it's, and and oh my God, it's just so crazy. I can't even, I'm having a moment. I know. I had a lot of moments in this episode. I really did. The whole thing was a moment, especially after when they're at Zero Bond and it's just like Chris Rock, Blake Griffin, Gail King, Amy Schumer. I mean, you name it and- they're all there for Kim. And I know it's like, okay, at this point, why is that a big deal? I don't know. Just something about it felt big. Also, 
what can't be lost on me is anytime they're doing something like this and it's in New York, it just feels different because it's so abundantly clear that it's not their turf. You know, in California, I feel like, okay, they run it. But when they come to New York, that's really not their place. So for Kim to still have that same amount of respect, even when she's out of Calabasas, I know this like doesn't really make sense because obviously she's a worldwide icon. I'm just walking you through my thought process. It always hits different for me. Well, it hits different because it's our home too. When they're walking around Calabasas or they're walking around LA and they're doing certain things, like when you live in LA, obviously that's so the norm for you because so many celebrities do that. But even when it's the Kardashians, I still think you have that moment of like, wow, I just had dinner there. Or like, wow, that's so crazy. Or like, oh my God, classic like them at Craig's. But when they're on in New York and like we're the ones watching them on our turf and we're like, oh my God, that's so funny to see Chris outside of Bergdorf's. Like it's Bergdorf's. Everyone and their mother has been outside of Bergdorf's, but something about Chris being there. (laughs) Well, when Chris is saying that Bergdorf's is her North Star, I want to be like, you know something, it's Julie's too, but for very different reasons (laughs) because she is the smallest bladder in America. And I can't tell you how many times I have watched her run past that Baccarat Rouge perfume section, making a mad dash to the bathroom because she's about to pee her pants. <laughs> it happened to me literally yesterday. I know it did. I didn't even know that it did, but I knew that it must have because anytime you are in that area, one thing I know for goddamn sure is that you will be going to the bathroom in Bergdorf's. And then again, Saks 10 blocks later, because I'm telling you guys, her bladder is like nothing you've ever seen before. You know what's funny is that I actually hit the trifecta yesterday when I was walking up and I went to the bathroom at Saks and then Bergdorf's and then Nordstrom's. Oh, we love a little trifecta. I mean, listen, let's be honest. The Nordstrom's bathrooms are elite. Oh, see, I was going to rank them. That's so interesting. I I was going to rank them Saks, then Nordstrom, then Bergdorf. But Nordstrom's is an individual room, whereas Saks is like a more of a communal. Okay. <laughs> I could have really got, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I was going to explain my rationale behind each one. It's not necessary. But if you are in the city and you need a bathroom, anywhere you find a department store is the best possible place to go. And that is the advice that I will leave you with. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that for sure. You've made me, listen, I will say one thing that Julie has made me is a lot more confident in terms of having to pee and really not wanting to wait till I get back to my apartment, but like previously maybe not wanting to ask. This girl has no shame. And I appreciate that because I think it's rubbed off on me a little bit. I'm so happy that I could bring that to your life. Okay, so we have 58 minutes to SNL. It is go time here. And you see Kim running through the last final details and she gets Corey in the room, which is basically confirmed to him that he's not going to be offended by the gold digger line. And he says to her, my skin is so thick a bullet would get lost. And I feel like That was the ultimate best response anyone could have given her in the moment, especially knowing we just come from her doing a prayer circle that nobody is going to be offended. And that was exactly the reaction that I expect Corey to have. I would have been absolutely floored had it been anything else. But I want to go back for one second because there's something that Kim says before she even calls Corey into the room where she says to them, you know, like I was talking to the great Sasha Baron Cohen and he said, you know, just say it and ask for forgiveness after. And I feel like something that really added to Kim's whole SNL experience, both in the way she approached it and the way that people approached her, was just the clear level of respect for comedy that Kim had. Like, it wasn't just about Kim in terms of wanting to do a really good job. It was so apparent that Kim respected SNL enough and respected the comedians that she looks up to, to know who to ask, to respect their opinions, to always make sure to mention them by name when she was talking about them, to mention the advice that they gave her. And I feel like because of that fact, everyone at SNL and everyone who was a part of making her SNL experience what it was, was so appreciative of that fact. Like I think that they felt really seen by Kim and felt this level of respect that she had for them and what they do. Absolutely. Even down to her writing handwritten notes to every single one of them. But I think also on the flip side of that, the fact that these comedy greats were so willing to lend their advice and their expertise and their opinion to her, that also speaks volumes. Oh, absolutely. Because very similar to Amy Schumer, I am sure that every single person that she had helping her is somebody that had also made fun of her at one point or another. And that whole point that Amy said about Kim and the whole family just being able to take a joke so well, I think played into their willingness to help her. And it was just like, you know what? We have you know, use this family as a punching bag for years and they still respect what we do enough to not only not be offended, but to also want our help and respect what we do. And that is just a beautiful symbiotic relationship. 
Beautiful, yeah. Also, by the way, don't think that we forgot about the scene where Chris is telling Kim that Travis called and that whole thing. That's in the next section about Courtney and Travis. So we removed that scene because we wanted to get into it there, but don't think we're not going to talk about it because fucking obviously. I can't wait. I know. Yeah, I mean, listen, we know what happens. We watch the monologue. She absolutely fucking kills it. We see her the moment before she goes out. You see her saying that she thrives under pressure and chaos. And as always, what Kimmo repeatedly says, calmness is her superpower. And talk about a time she exhibited that so clearly. And it it was just incredible. I really felt the energy. When she says that it was euphoric, I swear to God, I felt a sense of euphoria just watching it so many months later that I can't even imagine what she must have felt in that moment. There was something so satisfying as the viewer, just A, knowing that she killed it. Like you're watching this episode in retrospect. We already know what all of the reactions were, what everyone on Twitter said, how much everybody freaked out, whether they liked Kim prior to this or not, whether they still decide to not like her, but respected her SNL and thought that she was funny. Like we know all of that. But then to see it, in the moment, her doing SNL, her doing that monologue, her coming off stage to everybody just being like, oh my God, you fucking killed it. And then to the after party at Zero Bond where Chris Rock is coming up to her to tell her how good she did. And her and Amy having that moment where they're sitting on the couch and Amy says to her like, I actually learned something from you because I had all of these things where I said, no, don't do that. And you had the confidence to say, you know what? I know that this is going to be funny. Like the culmination of all of that was just satisfying. I swear to God, I don't know if Kim felt this way, but me watching Amy say, you know what? You were right. You trusted your gut. You went with your intuition and you made the right call. I felt satisfied by that because watching the scene last week, we knew Amy was off. Obviously her intentions were so pure, but Kim had to mention the sex tape. Like, of course. And so it... (laughs) It's going to sound so fucking weird to say because obviously Amy Schumer is so much more qualified than either of us to at all comment on this, but it was almost like you needed to be an OG fan to understand some things Kim just had to say, which even though, like we said last week, the fans weren't the people she was really going for necessarily. She was trying to impress all of the viewers, but I don't know. I just loved this moment. Listen, when you're a friend in the way that Amy is of Kim's, you're inherently going to have a different understanding of the way the world views Kim and the way both her fans and just people in general view Kim and the whole family. So I think that just that perspective of why that sex tape joke needed to be told in order to like really kick things off was something Amy just didn't have inherently. And we as the viewers did both as fans and people just watching SNL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to watch Kim get the praise from all of these comedic greats and just such influential people and to, you know, have her standing there while Chris Rock and Gail King are gushing over her. It's an unbelievable feeling and she deserved it all. And I I felt like I could just not only feel her pride, but also her gratitude. It was wonderful. I No notes, really. I don't even have anything like wise to say because I was just so fucking happy watching this. There is something really funny about having this feeling for Kim after SNL and watching this all and just being so unbelievably happy for her where it's like there's nothing in the world pretty much with the exceptions of a few minor things that Kim couldn't have if she wanted it, like truly. And we know that about her and we've observed that for many years. So it's so funny having this like sense of pride and being so happy for her and so emotional for her accomplishments, knowing that this is just one of many. And still this sticks out. And still it's like, even as a fan, after everything, you're still sitting here being like, wow, this is so amazing. I'm so happy for her. As if she still has something left to prove. I know, but it's because you were picking up on her energy and she on some level felt that way, which is one of the reasons that I guess she's so appealing because there is this, a sense of palpable humility, even amidst all of the fame. I don't know. It's I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm I'm verklempt. Verklempt is the right word for sure. And I will say, <laughs> I will say that this episode really had nothing to do with Pete, obviously, because this was so just about Kim and her having her moment and Pete was hardly even in it. We know that based on the Not Skinny But Not Fat interview that he really wasn't there, you know, prior. And the skit that they did together for the Aladdin was really the first time that they were together. And Kim felt that in the moment. 
but it wasn't like anything really happened right after. And we know that he wasn't at the after party. And there was almost like this relief in watching her at the after party, having that knowledge where you're not like constantly looking to see if Pete's going to be around the corner, if there's going to be some interaction that you're going to miss. Like I like felt like I could relax and just enjoy the party. Yes. I am so glad you just said that because I don't even think I was aware of that when I was watching it, but now you're saying it. That's exactly what was happening for me. I was able to just enjoy it and be in the moment and not have to, you know, see her in a conversation with Colin Jost and think that Pete is one inch off frame. And there's something so satisfying also about knowing that we are going to get that information. Like confirmation, she has said it multiple times. Like you will get the whole story. We will get the after SNL, who contacted who, how their first date went, like where they went, all of that. Like we know that we are without a doubt getting that. So there's nothing that we have to like strain ourselves to pick up the little pieces of. Like when she's ready and the episode comes, we're going to get everything that we need. Cannot wait. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot pet insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so the second plotline of this episode is obviously Courtney and Travis's engagement. And we were getting a lot. I mean, I feel like we were on the ground in terms of his planning process. I felt personally involved. Like as excited as the family was, and I said this before, that Kylie said it really meant a lot to her that Travis wanted all of them to be a part of this. It also meant a lot to me that he wanted all of us to be a part of it. Oh, and, you know, we didn't know when they first started dating how willing he would be to be on the show. We thought potentially he would be because he had his own show, Meet the Barker. So he's not a stranger to reality TV. But I think it's really helping like our cause, meaning us as the viewers, that Travis is such a willing participant. Right. Because also, Courtney could always teeter on the line of wanting to be or not wanting to be. And I think if she was with somebody who was really against it or was like, you know what, you do it, but it's just not my thing. She would be like, you know what, I'm not going to do it either. But because he's so willing to be a part of it and knows how much it means to the family and also is no stranger to reality TV, his willingness to be a part of it not only benefits us because we get so much more insight, but we also get Courtney. Yeah, exactly. It's honestly a win-win for everybody involved. Totally. Did you see, by the way, that Alabama is Pretty Little Thing's newest brand ambassador? Genius. We'll talk about that on Monday. Or no, Tuesday. I keep having to remember to say Tuesday. We should do an Insta story about that. I think people expect that though, right? Because like, obviously we want to do Met Gala coverage. 
I think so. I definitely think so. Okay, so back to the scene that we omitted from the first part when they're sitting backstage SNL and Chris tells Kim about her phone call with Travis and how he went to Robert's grave to ask for Courtney's hand in marriage. I mean, (laughs) you forget about it. You know how I was. Oh, I mean, I was hysterical also, but that was the moment I have to tell you and be honest with you. Like that was the moment where I feel like I let go of Scott. Like he was a balloon and I like let him go. I kind of felt that way throughout this entire episode. Like when Chris is on the phone with him when they're in the Kylie Cosmetics office with Corey and he sends Chris the notes app of what he's thinking of saying to Courtney. I don't know. Something about that scene just knocked the Scott right out of me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I stand by everything that I've said about Scott. Like I want him to still be a part of this family. I want them to approach him and his feelings and his emotions with as much respect and like as much sympathy and empathy as humanly possible. Like I will not waver from that. I love Scott. You will never change my mind. But obviously, as we've spoken about, the way Travis is and how sweet and kind and gentle he is, like we are really able to see that this is just so clearly the person for Courtney. And specifically now with just the level of respect he has shown her family, not that it's above and beyond because I think it's what, exactly Courtney deserves and what everyone deserves. But there's just something about it that really, really made me feel like, okay, I think even like, I know this sounds crazy. Like I think even Scott would be able to see that this is what's best for her. It is a crazy thing to say. And I don't think it's something he could come to terms with right now, but five, 10 years down the line, I definitely think he would look back at this and be like, you know what? This is so much more than moving. Hopefully at that time, he's going to be with someone that he adores in the way that Courtney adores Travis. Right. Or even if he can't get to that point, which I wouldn't blame him for, obviously, but even if he can't get to that point of like, okay, this is what she deserves, at least he'll be able to, I hope, see this and get to that point of like, well, if it can't be me, I am damn glad it's somebody who respects and honors her in this way. Totally. Also, in that conversation, when Kim is talking to Chris, first of all, we are all Mario. Like the fact that he cannot get through a scene without crying, I feel like that was just our basic energy throughout this entire SNL thing. So I felt very seen by him. But second of all, of course, Kim is the one that's been helping Travis with the ring. Oh my God. Well, that was a no brainer. And by the way, that ring is fucking gorgeous. She killed it. Her and Lorraine, dynamic fucking duo. No, she killed it. I mean, we said that the second we saw it, that it easily went to our probably top three. It might be better than Haley's. <laughs> it might be. Oh, fuck. Talk about in too deep. That, <laughs> that is us. I could tell you, you just name the person and I'll tell you exactly my thoughts on their ring. That is such a fun game that we have to play immediately. I know. It's so hard on a podcast because you don't have the visual component. Like if we were a podcast that did a YouTube or as we were talking could pop up, that would be such a better listening slash viewing experience for people. But how annoying, like you're in your car, you can't be Googling it if you don't know it off the top of your head. Or we just play it like where it's just such an advanced class that you either know what the ring looks like off the top of your head or you don't get to be involved. Right. It's like AP. Or yeah. We put a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Another thing we would have never gotten if they didn't have the show was the behind the scenes of Chloe on Ellen, because obviously we know that she has a relationship with the family, but to watch them be in the dressing room and Ellen literally ask her, so how do you think Scott's doing? I mean, you wouldn't know that just from watching the show that that conversation happened. No, of course not. And there's also this moment where Ellen says to Chloe when she asked Chloe about how Scott's doing and then says, you know, especially because she said to Scott, she never wanted to get married. And I was like, I'm so curious if this is a conversation that Ellen knows because she's had this conversation with Courtney on the show, if she knows because she watched the show, or if she knows because this is something that Chris and Ellen have spoken about as friends and like one of the concerns that Chris brought up to Ellen as a mother telling a friend about it. (laughs) I so prefer the angle of Ellen knowing that because she's a diehard keeping up watcher. A hundred percent. And I feel like anybody having information about the family, I prefer to think it's because they watch the show and not because of their direct personal relationships with them. It makes me feel like we are all on a level playing field and there's just something nice about the camaraderie of that. Absolutely. Also, when Chris and Chloe are in Chris's office and they're having the conversation with Travis about this potential hickup with the egg retrieval and 
obviously we all know how that ends up happening since she doesn't do it till Tuesday, so it all goes fine. I loved in Chloe's confessional when she's explaining how, you know, Travis is kind of more go with the flow. And she's like, me and my mom are so regimented that we need every minute down to a science. And I guess I just love when Chloe points that out because we know that about her, but it's so clear how she has that awareness about herself. I swear to God, like, I knew, obviously, everything ended up being okay. Like, we know factually, as we're watching this, they get engaged, they get engaged in Santa Barbara, it all goes smoothly, it all goes perfectly as planned. Like, we have that knowledge. As I am watching them trying to figure out two days before it's supposed to be, are they going to be able to have it in that location? Is Courtney's doctor going to be that day? Are they going to be able to have it at the correct time? Is Courtney to be able I am sweating with stress. I am. I'm like, I don't understand how it's two days before and he is being so nonchalant about it. It's so chill. Like whatever happens, happens. He'll figure it out. I am like having a panic attack and I have the foresight to know that everything ends up being fine. All I was thinking about was Mindy Weiss. I'm like, she's planning this whole thing. You know, what are you going to do with the tulips the next day? I mean, that was my entire thought process. But, you know, listen, I want to be clear how I make this point because by no means am I trying to make the statement that the stronger the love or the relationship is, the less stressful the proposal is. That's not true. I literally think it comes down to just a personality type thing. And if you're somebody who is naturally stressed or you know, slightly more analytical in the way that you approach things, the logistics of a proposal would obviously be more overwhelming. Whereas Travis seems to be more laid back and that's why this whole thing is with a little bit more ease for him. So let me make that point clear. However, I also think something that's aiding in the calmness of this is that he doesn't have the added stress of like, is she going to say yes? Is this too soon? Is she ready? It's like their souls are literally bonded that he's like, at least that's one aspect of this I don't have to worry about. Right. All Travis had to worry about here was like, what was more important? Like, was it date or location? Was it more important to propose on the exact date of their anniversary? Or was it more important to propose in the location that he envisioned it happening in that has the most sentiment to them? And obviously, thank God, it ended up being that he was able to have both of those things. But the only stress in this situation was weighing which of those two things meant more to them. It's such a personal thing. Obviously, there's no right answer. But for me, I would so much rather it be a day or two later and in the location, personally for me. Oh, see, I, I don't know. Because I actually like, was thinking about this. I'm not sure what I would want. Because like, hypothetically speaking, let's say you're telling your kids about it down the line. What a story that like your dad wanted to propose on the day of our anniversary, but he actually couldn't because I was getting the egg retrieval so that we could have you. So, you know, we had to wait a few days, but we ended up doing it in our favorite place. Like to me, it just adds to the story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, for me, I was thinking like I've always pictured it being a more low-key engagement for me. So the sentiment behind the actual date would have meant more to me than the location. But this, I don't want to say it was low-key. Obviously, it wasn't low-key. But it was an intimate moment between the two of them on a beach. Obviously, it was a whole production. They had all these flowers around them and stuff. But the dinner after, which we'll see next week, it seems like it was just the family and a few friends. You know, it wasn't like this over-the-top thing with fireworks and the whole nine. No, no, absolutely. I just meant, obviously, in this case, he had to choose one or the other. Like, if he was choosing it to do it on the date because that was more important, the the production, even though it wasn't like this whole grand thing, would have had to have been scaled back naturally. Of course. And then he couldn't do it on the beach, which is their favorite place, this particular right. beach. Yeah. Although, thank God they live in LA where if they needed to go to a beach, there would be one close to them. Right. Or they could just drive to Malibu. <laughs> you could propose at Nobu. That wouldn't be the craziest thing. Sign me up for that. Oh, but then Scott would be there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious concept. Like you go to your favorite restaurant, you want to propose, and then your ex-boyfriend is there with a 21-year-old. No, literally. <laughs> that's fucking funny. Wow. That's like funny. all of a sudden you're at Nobu and you hear, and one kid's menu, please. And you're like, is Scott here? <laughs> and you turn around and you're like, Rain? <laughs> I met his girlfriend, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Okay. So, wait. When Chris and Corey are at the office, and obviously now we find out everything goes well with the proposal, we can all, you know, breathe a big sigh of relief. My favorite part of this was seeing Chris's contacts in her phone. It's like, Chloe 2020, Kylie, new, new, Kim 2022, whatever it is. It's just so funny. Clearly, they must change numbers constantly. 
Oh, they must. But we always say that with every celebrity that we love seeing who they're in their contact as. That was actually when they were doing, not just the Kardashians, but during that time where it was the trend of celebrities calling other celebrities and being like, hold on, I have to call you back. Our favorite part of that was seeing who everybody was saved in their phone as. I know. And also just the 2022, 2021, like it's, it's constant. I'm so glad I actually brought that up because something that I've been meaning to bring up that I consistently forget about is the fact that obviously, as we know, when that trend was going on, the person who still holds the record for best one of those, not the Kardashians, it was Stas. And when Stas does that, she calls Pete. Oh my God. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. That's honestly interesting to think about, like how much Kim has or has not crossed paths with him just throughout, you know, various social interactions over the years. Or like what their hanging relationship is like now if Kylie and her friend group are more integrated. Because obviously, of course, we know that in the family, Pete's best friend right now is Scott. But it's very interesting to know if like maybe Kylie and Travis are around a little more because Stas has this pre-existing relationship with him. Right. Who knows? Those are the questions, though. Those are the questions. Yeah. For sure. Fucking loved the scene of Kendall and Kylie driving in this proposal. A pregnant Kylie Jenner driving, getting snacks out of the backseat while at the In-N-Out drive-thru is hands down the best Kylie. I mean this in the nicest way possible. And you may want to cut me saying this. The only way I can describe Kylie in this scene is unbelievably likable. Yeah. Unbelievably likable. And I just feel like we, I mean, no, because I don't know, because by the way, like describing somebody as likable is like the, the bottom way in which you could describe. So like, like that is the least you could give somebody is to describe them as likable. But I just feel like with Kylie, we haven't seen her in that way in so long. Like even when we talk about the Vogue 73 questions, which I know I bring up often, it was like, this is so not her personality. Like she was so stiff almost. And like, we didn't connect her. Seeing her just in these like 20 seconds alone was just likable. No, Julie, I am so on your page. And I think honestly, what we were picking up on is also the fact that in recent seasons, and this isn't her fault. It's just the fact she really didn't want to be filming and you could pick up on that. And here she was happy to be in the scene. It's her and Kendall, her best friend. She's in her gorgeous Rolls Royce truck with the pink interior eating in and out on her on the way to her sister's dream proposal. Like if you're not happy at that, then it's a you problem, you know? And so she genuinely seems so thrilled to be doing this. Yeah. And just like funny and real. I don't know. I just so enjoyed the scene with the both of them so much. And it really made me crave more of them on camera, which I think in the past, the only reason I've wanted to see them more was out of the sheer principle of not seeing them where like now when I'm watching them, I'm like, I want to see you more because I genuinely enjoy seeing you on my screen. Yeah. Kylie seemed happy. Totally. And also to hear them kind of talk about Courtney and Travis, which maybe they were doing a little bit for the camera, but in general, I think they'd be having this conversation. And Kendall says, you know, he's so calm and he kind of balances Courtney out in that way. And that's when Kylie says the line you referenced earlier about, yeah, and I loved how involved he wanted us all to be. And like, that's such a normal conversation. Yeah, they've seen them together for a while now, but you're on the way to the proposal. Of course, you're going to talk about that. Yeah, and Kendall's the one that brings up Scott also, where she's like, you know, I really haven't had a conversation with him like that in a while where I've checked in on his mental health, so I'm not sure how he's doing. And I just feel like with Kendall, she's been so open in the past with her struggles with anxiety, and I feel like that's something they've really bonded over. And so you see in the scenes for next week, Kendall is the one that brings up to Courtney and says, do you even have sympathy for Scott? Because it feels like you don't. I know, but then a little bit later on, we see the preview of her fighting with Scott, which I have no idea what it's about. But then I started to think, again, this is like a completely baseless hypothesis that I'm sure is not the case. I'm genuinely just walking you through a thought that popped up into my mind is like, is she saying, let's say they got into it and then she's like, I fucking went to bat for you. You know what I mean? And that could be the catalyst to the fight. Who knows? It was just an idea that I had. I don't know, but I'm very interested to see the scenes from next week look Like, it's going to be a fucking amazing episode. Amazing. I mean, the last one here is obviously when they're both in the cars, it's Kim, Chris, Corey, and then Kendall, Kylie separately, and they're afraid that they're going to run in together because Mindy Weiss is tracking their movement, which I just love a Mindy Weiss speakerphone call. I can't help it. Her voice is so comforting to me. But wait, the one other thing that I wanted to mention from that car ride is when 
Kim says to Chris, oh, I like your dress. And she's like, oh, thanks. It was one of my 65 looks. Obviously a reference to the fact that for Chris's 65th birthday, Kim got her 65 looks that she bought and styled and had fitted for her and had mannequins you don't display throughout her house. And like, just such a moment, you know, like when she says that immediately, I go back to those Insta stories and that episode and it's, oh, are there people that don't, like, are there people that just heard that and like, oh, I don't know what she's talking about, but okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm sure for a lot of people that went over their head or they had to think about it because we have to keep in mind with this show, like there is an obvious resurgence of watchers. There's probably so many people who started watching the show in the beginning and then kind of forgot about it. And then had a renewed interest in it or like people who really have only watched them in recent years via social media and decided to watch the show. So they don't know the 65 looks from having seen it on the episode. Whereas when we watch it, it's not even something that we have to think about. I know it's really, (laughs) it's really something, but this was just excellent. I loved every minute of it. And next week we obviously see the engagement. We see the dinner after the engagement, the conversation where they're deciding how to tell Scott and Travis and Courtney at their egg retrieval. So there's a lot to look forward to guys. Well, we also have that conversation, which I'm really interested in between Chloe and Scott, where Chloe says something along the lines of, well, do they know, or how do they feel about it? And Scott says they were upset that they weren't there And they're wondering if they're even going to be invited to the wedding. Am I even going to be invited to the wedding? And obviously, if that's about the kids, it's Scott doesn't mean that when he says, are they going to be invited to the wedding? But it will be interesting to see if that reaction to not being at the engagement, which I'm assuming this is about, is about the kids. That's what I was thinking. My first reaction was, you know, like Mason and Penelope specifically. But then I was like, no, there's no way. I don't know. Obviously, that was my initial, but then I was trying to think who else it could have possibly been. Yeah, I I don't know either. I mean, and by the way, it could just be about friends that we've forgotten about or like, I, I don't know, but the way it is set up is it's so clearly making you think it's about the kids. It must be. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Oh, God, it feels so good to be back. It is. Uh, it feels so good. I don't have to tell you because I know you know. It's the best feeling in the world. Like, I don't have anything else really to compare it to right now. (laughs) I'm just so, so unbelievably happy. I know. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back on Tuesday, not Monday, so that we can do the Met Gala coverage. We'll probably, honestly, Julie, record it like Monday night, I have to imagine. We'll see. We'll see how we feel. We'll see. Okay, love you guys. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.